We're almost finished <laughs> with this week, and uh, if you're like me, you're a little tired, or maybe a lot tired, uh, exhausted might even be an appropriate word, but I want to tell you it's a good tired. It's a, a sense that there was something accomplished this week, and I think if you've been here throughout the week, you've seen good things in the church, you've seen good things in the kingdom of God, and it's always an encouragement to... Uh, not just see the young people, but to see a congregation uh, come together to put on such a work as this. And uh, there's a lot of work, as was mentioned earlier by Brother Matt, behind the scenes. And you think about taking in kids from all over, other congregations and parents, and trusting you with their children, uh, knowing that they'll be taken care of, and they'll only end up lost once or twice. I can say that because it was my child that got left behind, Jeremy. Cole, um, but it's been an excellent week, and there have been some kind words expressed toward me for the lessons and those kind of things, but I want you to know that I've been built up in my faith this week. Uh, just spending time with you as a congregation, part of the Lord's body, uh, people I haven't been able to meet before or spend a lot of time with, you've been an encouragement to me and my family, and I leave here today tired, but built up in my faith, and I hope and pray that you can say the same. Because we have a great mission before us. As we've talked about all week long, all those individuals that saw the cross and the requirement that we have to place upon ourselves to be able to envision in our heart and in our mind the gravity of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And that song we just sang, No one ever cared for me like Jesus. The people you think love you the most in this life who would do anything that they could for you, I want to tell you, their love pales in comparison to the love that the Son of God had for you. And He allowed Himself to be hung on that cross because of that love. And because of that love and that sacrifice, I believe we have to be different. Though we come to the cross empty, we come to the cross broken, we come to the cross seeking from God something, we have to leave that cross fulfilled, and healed and ready to go and perform the mission that Jesus has left to us as His children. And that's the theme of this afternoon's lesson. Go ahead and get your Bibles and turn to Isaiah the 6th chapter. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah has an opportunity to see something and get a glimpse into heaven and the throne of God. And because of that experience, we're going to see a change that takes place within him. And I believe it's the same change that ought to take place in us when we truly visualize and understand what happened on the cross. That we can't leave that cross the same as when we came. There has to be a change in our life and in our heart. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon the throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. 
Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Can you imagine what Isaiah got to see? That he got to see the throne of God. And you know his response to seeing the throne of God was similar to our response as we look at the cross today. Isaiah said, woe is me. I don't deserve this. I can't even lift my eyes up to look at what I'm experiencing at this moment because it's too grand, it's too glorious, and I certainly shouldn't be here. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. What he was saying is I have sin. And I want to tell you, in a great way, we ought to look at that cross and say, you know what, I'm not worthy of that. I'm not worthy to come into the presence of the Son of God who's sacrificing Himself for me because it's my sins that put Him there. And Isaiah understood that. Could you imagine? We would react the same way. But something happened to Isaiah. What was it that happened? One of those angels who stood in the presence of God covering his face and covering his feet and flying in the midst of the presence and throne of God who cried out, Holy, 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 went and took a live coal, a hot coal off of that altar and brought it down to Isaiah's lips. And with that, what did he state to Isaiah? He said what? Your iniquity has been taken away. Your sin has been purged. Isn't that what happens for us at the cross? When we're baptized into Christ, we come in contact not with a live coal that has come from the altar of God, but we come in contact with the blood that was shed on the altar that was the cross of Jesus Christ. And that blood touches our life. It touches our heart. And God performs an operation of removing that sin so that then we can come boldly to the throne of grace through that blood and through that sacrifice. We don't have to stand there and say, I'm not worthy, woe is me. We can come boldly to our Father and approach His throne because of that sacrifice. And then those in the presence of God cry out, who will go? Who will we send? Who will go and proclaim this message to these people? And then we see Isaiah's great statement, what? Here am I, send me. You know whose job it is to evangelize? You know whose job it is to go out and preach the gospel to people in this community who have souls that are lost currently? It's every person who's had their heart touched by the blood of Jesus Christ. Every one of you who have been sanctified by that blood and that sacrifice, who had a glimpse of being able to look at the cross and understand its significance in your life, now has a responsibility to take that and share that with somebody else. And I hope and pray that we're living up to that mission. That we look at the great commission that Jesus gave to His apostles and His disciples and that carries down to you and I that we have a heart that desires nothing more than to go out and to share the good news that we've received. Because it's somebody, sometimes somebody took the time, just as Isaiah would, to say, guess what, Lord, here am I, send me. And those people came to you. It may have been your mom and dad. It may have been a grandparent. It may have been an aunt or an uncle. Or it may have been a stranger at the time who simply took the time to talk to you 
about the things concerning God and the things concerning Jesus Christ and the salvation that you could have in Him. Aren't you thankful for those people who showed you that truth? Who shared that love with you so that you could come in contact with that blood and have a life that's been changed? Now it's your turn to do the same. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24. Then said Jesus unto His disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. You know, as we look and gaze upon the cross of Jesus Christ, we must realize we have a cross to bear as well. Jesus was very honest with us about the cost of discipleship. And He said it's not going to be for the faint of heart. It's not going to be easy all the time. It's going to be a challenge. He said and just as He had to carry His cross and go and to perform the will of God, we have crosses to bear in our life. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 33, says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He said, if you really want to be my disciple, you really want all the blessings that God wants to give to you, it's going to cost you something. And you have to be willing to pay that cost and to pay that price. And that price is having a life that is sacrificial in nature, not doing what you want to do, but rather performing the will of God keeping yourself unspotted from the world, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. When's the last time you talked to someone about Jesus? This week has been awesome. Because every day we've come here, morning, noon, and night, and what have we done? We've sang praises to God. We've talked about His Word. We've memorized Scriptures and put them into our hearts. You know why we do that? So that as the rap song says, we can be the light of the world. (laughs) I wish Michael was here. Because we are. And when we think about that passage, the impact that ought to have on our life should be life changing. That I'm not just someone who's struggling through life and just trying to make it, but I'm somebody who can really stand up for Christ and teach other people the truths concerning God. And I can bear my cross. And I can follow in the footsteps of my Lord as He sacrificed Himself. I can sacrifice the things that I want in this life to promote Him. Can you do that today? I want you to know it's not a matter of can you, it's a matter of will you. Because all of us can. It's a matter of where your heart truly lies. And if you really desire to be that ambassador for Christ who goes out to win souls, you'll do it. You know, Jesus commanded us to go. Matthew 28 verse 18, as Jesus is ascending to the Father, He gives them the great commission. No longer a limited commission preparing the way for the kingdom, but the great commission in saying, guess what? You can have your sins forgiven and you can be ushered into this kingdom of God that's now been established. Jesus came and spake to them saying, All authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and glow I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. These individuals who had seen the crucified Lord, who had seen Him upon that cross physically die, had seen His body laid in a tomb, and had seen three days later that that tomb was empty, were revived. And no longer were there doubts. No longer was there confusion. No longer was there any question in their heart as to what had just happened before their eyes. They knew. 
And they knew they had an opportunity to be forgiven. And now they had a mission to go tell everyone that they could about this truth. Are you convinced today? You know what I'm willing to defend to the death? Things that I'm convinced of. Things that there is no doubt in my heart that are true. And we're willing to fight tooth and nail about those things, aren't we? But what happens is we spend so much time devoting time to things that really are of very little consequence when it comes to things eternal. And we spend time convincing people of a lot of other things in life that don't bring us any closer to God. And as these disciples and these apostles are given this great mission, what Jesus is saying is there's nothing else in life that matters right now. This is what you need to go and do. Do you feel that call today? That Jesus has called you to go out and to preach that gospel. Does that mean you have to go around preaching sermons at different churches and preaching gospel? No. You know what that means? It means you have to find a circle where you have influence and you need to lead those individuals to Jesus Christ by whatever means you have at your disposal. It may be your circle of friends and your common associations. It may be family members who you know who are outside the ark of safety and who are outside the church at this time. It could be the neighbor across the street that you've never taken the time to go introduce yourself to. All of those are opportunities. And as Jesus gives us this great mission, we have to feel it within our heart that we're a part of that. Every single one of us. And we say, well, what's our motivation? I want to tell you what your motivation is. Your motivation is Jesus Christ. Looking at His life and His example of service and servitude and what He was willing to give up to go and to deliver mankind. What other motivation do we need? In Acts 17 verse 28, He says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also His offspring. Everything about our life ought to exude Jesus Christ. (laughs) We talked this week about immersing ourselves in the Word, immersing ourselves in our worship, giving every ounce of effort and energy that we have to give it to the service of God. And we have to feel that same desire to go out into this world and be the ambassadors and preachers that God has called us to be. And if we don't have that feeling and that burning desire in our heart, we don't understand Jesus. Because if we really understand Jesus and we look at His cross and His sacrifice, He poured everything out upon that cross. And He wants us to do the same thing with our life. Galatians 2 and 20. It says, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm not going to sing it. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. You think about what that verse really says. It's not just a cute song that we teach to memorize a verse, but you think about the impact of that one verse on your life. That I am crucified with Him. As I look at His cross, I put myself in that place with Him. And I crucify what? 
my carnal being. I put to death the deeds of the flesh. I try to quench those earthly desires not by giving in to those things, but by overpowering those things by the power of the Spirit of God. And I crucify my flesh so that what? So that I can live with Christ. And that He can live with me. When people see you, what do they see? You ever think about that? Not in a worrisome way of how people think or do what people judge of you, but just what do you think one of the first things people say about you? What are those things? Maybe that you're a, a good man or a good woman. Maybe a good father or a good mother. Good brother, good sister. How long will it take them to get to what ought to define us as being a child of God? And that doesn't mean we have to go running around the streets proclaiming and yelling at the top of our lungs that we're a Christian and we're a child of God. But I want to tell you, the life you live is the greatest testimony of your faith. Do people see anything different when they look at us? Can they tell a difference from what you have in your life that motivates you and drives you versus what motivates and drives those in the world? It ought to be different. Because that kind of a life is going to provide opportunities. That kind of a life is going to open doors to where you have an opportunity and a chance to teach them the things that you have been taught that have changed your life forever. But you have to desire that. You know, something about our life and service to God is we have to bear fruit. What did Jesus teach about the the tree that didn't bear any fruit? There came a point where he got tired of waiting on that tree to do anything, didn't he? And he cut it down. Because it's taking up space and nutrients from trees that are what? That are producing fruit. Matthew 4.19, it says, And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The impact of that statement to those apostles was, you understand some things about fishing. You understand what it means to go out and toil day in and day out and catch some. And some days catch a lot and some days catch none. But what do you do day in and day out as a fisherman? You go out. You launch your ships out into the sea and you drop your nets and you cast them into that sea and you wait. And you toil and you work. And you pull those nets in and what are you hoping for? You're hoping to catch something. Anybody in here like fishing? I like catching. I don't like fishing. A few years ago, we went on a camping trip. I want to say it was July, Brent. You were there. It was hot. (laughs) And we took a bunch of dads and their sons and we had a good time. My boys were so excited. This was going to be their real, their first real fishing trip. We were going to camp and fish for three or four days. They were excited. So you know what we did? I took them to Academy and I said, hey, pick out your fishing pole. Bought them a brand new tackle box. Got all the gear that they would need. We bought a new cooler and we loaded that cooler up and it came time to drive. We got in our vehicle and we drove for three hours to get to the campsite. Everybody gets there and we spend that evening setting up camp, getting ready for the next day. Six o'clock the next morning comes around and guess what? Ezra, Dad, let's go fishing. I said, well, let's just wait a little while. Let's sleep a little bit longer. 
He was ready to go. He said, Dad, we got to go catch those fish. He said, or we won't eat. And I said, I brought food. We're going to eat. <laughs> I'm not that foolish. I said, we're going to eat. He said, well, we got to go catch some fish. I said, all right. So we go out. We get those new fishing poles rigged up. And we cast. And we cast. And we cast. And we sweat. And we're tired. And it's noon. And we hadn't caught nothing. Nobody caught anything. Let's go back to camp. Let's eat a sandwich, regroup, and then maybe do something else. Went back to camp, ate lunch, said, do y'all want to go swimming? No, we want to go fishing. (laughs) Again with this? All right, let's go. My dad was there. We get out, and we fish, and we fish, and we fish. Didn't catch anything. Those boys didn't want to give up. We didn't catch anything that first day. Second day, guess what? First thing in the morning, I'm thinking, hey, they're over their fishing kick. We can sleep in, cook a big breakfast, hang out. Mm-mm. Just like, Dad, we got to go fish. Got to go fish. <laughs> Get out there. We cast. We cast. Nothing. And finally, I said, okay, they're going to want to go swimming. They finally, mm-mm. that afternoon, back fishing. And now I'm thinking, somebody catch something so we can end this already. Please, anybody, get anything on their line so we can quit this. Ezra's down the bank with my dad, and he says, I got something. I said, no, you don't. Ain't nothing on your pole. Just reel it in. He says, no, there's something. You know what he did? He had caught his first fish. He reeled it in. He worked really hard, and Grandpa was there helping him. He pulled out a giant catfish, about that big. (laughs) You know how proud he was of that little fish? He held it up. We took pictures with it. (laughs) It couldn't have fed him, or Malachi even wouldn't have been full eating that fish. But we took pictures, sent it home to Mom. Ezra caught his first fish. Still have those pictures. He's proud of it. That taught me something. That I think we need to remember when it comes to evangelism. Every dime you spend, every ounce of sweat, every hour, every minute, every sacrifice you make to go out and promote the gospel of Christ, isn't it worth it even if we just catch one soul for Him? Because at one time, guess what you were? You were that one soul. And other people sacrificed to ensure that your soul would have an opportunity to come to know the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. What greater job do we have to do? What's more important than that? Than that we can be in part of a work and a group of people who goes out to preach and to teach other people and that they might bring fruit and fruit that they can show to God was a result of His mercy and His grace in their life. John chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in Me and My Word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be My disciples as the Father loved Me. I also have loved you. Abide in My love. If you keep My commandments, you will abide in My love just as I have kept My Father's commandments and abide in His love. If you're plugged into Jesus Christ, your life is going to be fruitful. And when I say fruitful, that doesn't mean you're going to be a success in a worldly sense. But you're going to be fruitful 
in spiritual things, in leading others to know Jesus Christ. And that's the greatest calling that we share with one another. We have to fulfill this mission. You know how the Apostle Paul felt about being a preacher? How he felt about what he'd been called to go and do and be that vessel unto the Gentiles? 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 16 he says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul understood the great responsibility that had been placed upon his shoulders because of the love and the mercy and the grace of God and that great gospel that he knew saved his soul. And he said, I have nothing to boast in that. That didn't have anything to do with me. So guess what I have to do? I have to go tell others about this. And he says, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. Is there a fire within us? What's funny is we all get passionate about something, don't we? We all get passionate about, well, some get passionate about Texas A&M. Some get passionate about Texas Tech. Everybody gets passionate about OU. Amen, yeah. But we all get passionate about different things. Where's our passion for the mission? Where's our passion for going out and preaching the gospel? Where's our passion for going out and trying to find someone who needs Jesus and being that one who can open that door and show them the cross? We spent an entire week looking at that cross and the reason why is because, as I said this morning, that was the point that all humanity was looking for even if they didn't even realize it. And I want to tell you, it's still the same point in their life that they need to come to realize today. And they won't know about it unless we go and we tell them. Acts chapter 4, verses 12 through 20. We're not going to read that entire passage. But as those apostles had been thrown in prison simply for going and doing what we try to do and teach others about Jesus... There came a point where the officials said, you know, we really can't hold them, so we're going to have to let them go. But as they let them go, what did they tell them? Hey, we're going to let you go, but y'all need to quit this preaching about Jesus, okay? Y'all just stop that. You're causing an uproar, you're getting people all stirred up. Just stop doing that. How did the apostles respond? Look at verse 18. It says, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. When you're fully convinced of Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross and how it's impacted your life, you can't help but tell other people about it. You can't. And the reason a lot of times we're not willing to go and teach and try to do that and promote the gospel is we're honestly not fully convinced ourselves. These men were convinced. Because they had seen that tomb empty on that third day. Are you fully convinced today? Are you fully convinced that Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient to forgive mankind of all sin? 
Are you fully convinced that He's alive in heaven today, reigning over His kingdom, never to die again, and that He's coming back? And when He comes back, mankind will be judged? Those friends and neighbors that you know are outside of the church, outside of the kingdom, they've never been baptized for the remission of their sins, do you understand their reality on the day of judgment? Or do we like to just put those things in the back of our mind and not think about them too much because it's uncomfortable? The reality is the cross was very uncomfortable for Jesus, but He bore it for us. And part of our bearing His cross in our life requires us to be honest with with ourselves and evaluate those things and care about those souls enough that you know what? We can't help but tell them about what we've learned. There ought to be a fire and a passion within us that nothing could quench. And I hope and pray you have that in your heart today. In closing, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the cross of Jesus fresh in their minds. Is the cross fresh in your mind today? I hope after a week of sermons it is. Or I haven't done anything right. But I hope that cross is fresh within your heart. And I hope you've visualized it, you've seen it, you've experienced it, you've put yourself in that place of what you've been able to see. And in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, when it was time for the preaching to take place, when it was time for the gospel to be preached, when it was time for the message of God's reconciliation with man to be proclaimed from the mountaintops. Guess what Peter did? He raised his voice and said. He spoke. Isaiah spoke once he realized his sins were purged by that hot coal off the altar of God. How much more so should we speak knowing that our lives have been cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ from His altar in that cross? Can we do that? Are you ready to take on that mission and let your voice be heard? You have a voice. The question is, will you use it for God? Will you use it for yourself or will you sit idly by and not open your mouth? I hope and pray today all of us like Isaiah will say, Here am I, Lord, send me. In whatever fashion you can perform in the Lord's church, you're valuable and you have something to offer and to perform that can impact the lives of others. And I hope you feel that passion today. If you're here, we're going to offer one more invitation. That if you need to be baptized for the remission of your sins, to give your life purpose and meaning, to give you the redemption through the power of the blood of Jesus... You're going to have that chance one more time during this gospel meeting. If you're here and you're struggling right now with sin, with something in life that's weighing you down, that's making you ineffective in your service to God, draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. Come confessing, come seeking God and His forgiveness and the restoration that His blood can give to you in your life.
so that you can go out and be the ambassador for Jesus that He's called you to be. And if we can help you with either one of those spiritual needs, please come, have a seat on the front, while together we stand and sing.